You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, it's Football Friday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy, Locked On Horns. And as customary on a Friday, we have the Longhorns Wire site editor, Cami Griffin, joining the show once again. We're going to talk all things Texas Longhorns football because we like to talk football on Fridays. It puts us in a good mood. It peps us up. So, Cami, let's, uh, let's kick this off with what the 10 most important Longhorns in 2021. Now, this is a list I put together at Longhorns Wire. Cammie didn't agree with all of them, but we're going to start it off. Let's start from the bottom. Let's start at number 10. We're going to work our way up. Uh, coming in at number 10, Cammie, you can tell me if you agree, disagree, indifference. Jaron Thompson, safety. You know, I think it was very limited play for him in 2020. Uh, you know, but he looked really good against Kansas State. Had one interception, came close to another. Showed up in the uh, the Alamo Bowl. But he's an important piece next year because they don't have any of their starting safeties from a year ago. So number 10, are you good with number 10? Yeah, I, I actually agree with him being listed. He could even probably be eight or nine, in my opinion. But uh, just with no Chris Brown and Caden Stearns, obviously, uh, heading to the NFL draft, one of the one of these safety youngins have to step up, right? And uh, whenever Caden Stearns was out uh, the final few weeks of the season, he almost had two interceptions in his first start. And so he, he had one, but he was very close to having two. So uh, he looked really good. And I think, obviously, uh, someone's going to have to step up in that secondary and uh, kind of be the leader. And he has a great chance to do that. You don't know how hard it was for me not to put Chris Adamora or even J.D. Coffee up there because I, I think the world of J.D. Coffee. I think he's going to make an instant impact. I think he's that type of player, especially with Pete Kwiatkowski's new defense. Coming in at number nine, I got Deshaun Jameson, not only for his play as a cornerback, but what he does as a return man. He almost had two return touchdowns last year, was tackled at the one-yard line. We know the story in the Kansas State game. Roshan Johnson took care of the rest. Too low, too high, or are you good at Deshaun Jameson coming in at number nine? Nope, I like him there. I think that's a great fit for him. And you can arguably put him on there just for his special teams abilities. So I'm excited to see what he does under Jeff Banks. But, uh, yeah, he's obviously a great corner as well. So that's a good spot for him. Yeah, we didn't see the turnovers created like we saw the year prior, 2019. Of course, we're talking about the two-interception game against West Virginia. He had that crazy interception where he snagged the ball away from the Mountaineers wide receiver. I think he's a guy that's going to step up. Here, number eight is where Cammy wants to fight me. Because I put Jared Wiley at number eight. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jared Wiley as a tight end. Cammie, she thinks I'm crazy, but I told her I'm going to hype him up one last time. But I think Jared <laughs> Wiley is your best receiving threat at tight end, and that's why with the way that Steve Sarkeesian uses all of his weapons, I thought he, he deserved to be up on that list. Yeah, and it's not that I'm not a fan of Jared Wiley. I obviously was uh, one of the people who wanted him to play more this past season. He has a, a great big playability, and he's a mismatch in the red zone. And I think athletic 
and versatile tight end on Texas roster right now. I just don't know how Sark is going to use them. Obviously, we know Cade Brewer's coming back. I think that's going to hinder some of his playing time. So um, there's just not enough of a sample size for me to really uh, put him there in terms of one of the most important players heading into next season. But I do hope he is. Yes, the progress stopper, Cade Brewer, is back. That's unfortunate. All right, moving on to number <laughs> seven. I got Andrej Carrick. I think... Losing Samuel Cosby is huge. Obviously, Cosby's going to be, he's a friend's first rounder, depending on who you talk to uh, in the NFL draft coming up. But they need somebody to protect the blind side of that quarterback, whoever it's going to be. That's why I think he's so vitally important, considering all the issues they had on the right side. You need to get one side of this offensive line fixed for sure. And that's why I say Andrej Carrick, who didn't allow a single pressure in 106 snaps last season. Yep, and that's impressive in itself to go ahead and put him on here. But, I mean, technically there's a couple guys in the offensive line. I think Jake Majors is going to be extremely important to them next season. I think uh, if Chris Stetter comes back, like they're assuming he will, uh, he's going to be the the leader of that young offensive line group. And I think, obviously, that's going to be critical uh, with their progression and things like that. So I think any of those three offensive linemen could have been used here. Yeah, Junior Angelow is probably going to man your left guard spot again. Uh, and then the big question is who's going to play right guard? Uh, they've got plenty of options uh, because assuming or presuming, I should say, that Kerstetter is back, we I think we all expect him to play right tackle next season. All right, number six coming up. Uh, Cammy's guy, I'm talking Jake Smith out of the slot. We know how Sark likes to use his offensive players. We know how he likes to use those wide receivers. It was a bit of a disappointment in 2020 with Jake Smith giving the injuries and then the drops, and it it just never came together for him. I think with a full season under, you know, a full offseason, when what we hope with a new offensive system is only going to do well for him. But we know Sark, he likes to get his best players on the field, and Jake Smith obviously is one of those best players to be on the field. Yep, he's definitely uh, in the middle of the pack for me on this list. He's uh, probably one of their most dangerous offensive weapons. He's very quick in the slot. Uh, he's one of the most sure-handed guys on the roster. Actually, he had a couple of drops. He was dealing with a hamstring injury. He was missing time, so he kind of expected that rest. But he also made a few critical plays throughout the season, and uh, the end of the Oklahoma State game, uh, to take that into overtime, comes into, into mind to me right now. But uh, I think either Jake Smith or Jordan Whittington can be put right here uh, because obviously we know what Whittington's able to do when he's healthy. So uh, I think this is just mainly the slot position, whoever uh, kind of mans up. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes, talking Fiat, Kia, Ford, and all the models that you can get, maybe it's a Ranger or an F-150, Mustang, maybe it's a Kia Rio or a Forte. It's impossible to stock all the parts that you're going to need at a traditional chain storefront. So why endear the, all that time you're going to spend waiting, answering questions? Is this an LX, an EX, an LT? And why do you want to wait with the counterman? Orders the parts on his computer, only the brands that his warehouse carries. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money that you can use for other important things like mortgage, food, or maybe your daily spending. So why would you want to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the same exact parts at a chain store? 
RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com. Shop for the auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brand, specifications, and prices you need. Best of all, RockAuto.com are always reliably low and have the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on on the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Now we're covering everything that you need to know about the Texas Longhorns. What about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with the Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to be like it was. Uh, in essence, I, I'm referring to the fact that under Tom Herman, it seemed like you, either, you got either or. Uh, with Sarkeesian, I think he's going to find a way to get both of them on there. Uh, obviously, Jordan Whittington, he can he can come out of the backfield for you, play that hybrid wide receiver running back role, uh, which I think he can do very well. And and so when I look at that, I think it's perfect. I think either one will work. Uh, let's move on. We're going to go to number five, Kami. Uh Number five was the top five-star defensive talent to come out of the 2020 recruiting class. We're talking about Alfred Collins. With Taquan Graham moving on to the Senior Bowl and then into uh, the NFL Draft, they need a guy there in the middle. And as we saw in the Alamo Bowl, Alfred Collins is a freak. Whether it's getting after the quarterback, stuffing the run, intercepting the ball, the guy can do it all. Uh, is is he too high? Is the expectation level really high with this kid, uh, given that where we have him as the number five most important player? Yeah, no, I think you have him at a realistic spot. I think the expectations are obviously really high, but um, we saw what he was capable of as a true freshman. And you mentioned that interception in the Alamo Bowl was absolutely freakish athletic play. So um, that, that that gave a lot of promise because he obviously had got more playing time in the Alamo Bowl against a pretty decent squad. So uh, I'm looking forward to see what he can do. He's going to be a big part of this defense moving forward. It's going to be interesting what Bo Davis does with his offense or with his defensive lineman up front. Obviously, we know Keandre Colburn is going to be back. Uh, you have Tavondre Sweat behind him, Vernon Broughton. Uh, you know, what do they do on the edge? There's going to be a lot, but I just felt like with what he provides, he can play some edge for you, what he played in high school. He can play that interior three technique defensive tackle, which is going to be huge. Uh, number four, the guy that came out of nowhere last year, we're talking about Joshua Moore. He comes out, he's the leading receiver in yards. He's the leading receiver in touchdowns. And now, you know, you got to have a sense of excitement because Steve Sarkeesian had a a wide receiver at Alabama who wore number six, and the guy went off this last year, won the Heisman. So it makes you think, what could he do with a Joshua Moore who kind of had a resurgence last year, reinstated, and then obviously became the number one wide receiver down the stretch uh number four good for you with number six oh 
Yeah, I mean, it's close enough. I, I could argue probably putting him at uh, number three, in my opinion. But uh, like you mentioned, and there's a lot of similarities, I think, from uh, Smith and Moore from a physical standpoint. They're kind of the taller, lankier receivers. And I think the two players probably um, on Texas' current roster on offense that are most excited about start coming into town are probably Joshua Moore and Bijan Robinson. So I don't think there's anyone more hopeful than those two guys for this upcoming season. So I'm expecting a lot from him. Yeah, I think there is a level of expectation, and I think that expectation rises based on what he did uh, this past year. Because if if this was his first year coming back, I don't think that we'd have this level of expectation with him. I think if it was this year, then we would be looking around going, who's going to be the wide receiver? Who's going to be the guy to step up? But the fact that he did that shows you that he is more than capable of doing it. All right, moving on to number three, we're going to swap back to the defense. I got DeMarvian Overshown as the Will linebacker last year, but he's going to be moving to inside linebacker in this new 2-4-5 scheme that Pete Kwiatkowski runs. Uh, how impressed were you last year with DeMarvian Overshown down the stretch? And do uh, you feel good at number three? I know you said you'd move more to three. Uh, but how do you feel about Overshown there at number three? Yeah, I I would probably still move Joshua Moore to three and Overshown at four. But Overshown obviously blew everyone out of the water last season with his position change, moving to linebacker. And uh, you and I were even harping on all his missed tackles the first few weeks of the season. But he completely turned it around. And uh, even towards the end of the season, especially in the Alabama Bowl and things like that, people were mentioning that he could potentially become a first-round draft pick in a few years or a couple of years. So um, I'm expecting big things out of him. He's obviously one of the most freakish athletes um, on that defensive side of the ball. So uh, he'll get plenty of opportunities. Yeah, and you talk about moving to linebacker. I think that was smart for him for a, a myriad of reasons. But number one, uh, NFL draft, uh, I think, was huge for him. Because I don't think he was ever going to crack the rotation at safety. Not because he wasn't talented enough. It's just they were extremely deep with the number of bodies that they had at that position. Now, it has thinned out. It has thinned out. But now he's become so vitally important at your linebacker spot that you were very weak at where you were going into the 2021 recruiting class, where they picked up some valuable bodies there, some top guys. Uh, but going into the season, they needed him because if you looked at who was beyond him and Mitchell, it was not pretty. Uh, and, you know, hopefully that only gets better. And with this new defensive scheme, guys moving around, playing different spots. Number two, a little bit of a surprise here to some, not to me. I put the quarterback in number two. Uh, I have Casey Thompson number two. I give him the slight edge over Casey uh, over Hudson Card, which is which is Cammy's boy. She loves her, mm -hmm. loves her some Hudson Card. But I, I think Casey just a little bit better, just just a little bit. And we saw what he could do in the Alamo Bowl. Can he continue to do that? We need to see the consistency. But for me, he's the number two most important player going into next season. Yeah, and I, I do agree that Casey Thompson has a foot in the door ahead of Hudson Card. Obviously, Hudson Card has an uphill battle, but he's one of the most prolific passers to come through Texas in quite some time. So um, I haven't really seen enough of a sample size from either of them to really gauge this battle yet. But I know Sark keeps mentioning how leadership and being vocal is very important to him. So I'm, it's interesting to see who's going to kind of step up and take control of this team. But I like having the quarterback at number two on your list because obviously uh, that's the leader of this entire football team and they're going to keep them together. So uh, I I definitely agree with that one. Yeah, uh, the 
thing with the quarterback situation, and you're right, you talked about the leadership, the intangibles, um, but you also got to be able to sling it. Now, we've seen what Hudson Card did in high school. We didn't so much see it on the football field this year, but what Casey was able to do was on full display uh, in the Alamo Bowl. We saw some of those plays that he was made, the ability to move the pocket, things that we saw with Sam Ellinger. I mean, he did mm-hmm. the same thing. He can move around in the pocket. He can run. It's just going to be a totally different dynamic because, one, you're not going to see quarterback power being run because Tom Herman's no longer here. And, two, if you were to run quarterback power, Casey Thompson, you're going to get him killed because he is not built in the way that Sam Ellinger was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just it wouldn't be a good thing. Uh, my number one, shock, 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 everybody. I got B. John Robinson as the most important player heading into 2021. Here's my reasoning for it before we get your thoughts on it, Cami. We saw what Najee Harris did for two years under Steven Sarkeesian, and I think that bodes well for B. John Robinson. My biggest knock, your biggest knock, Griffin's biggest knock, everybody's biggest knock. Why won't they feed B. John Robinson the football? He averaged 8.2 yards per carry. By the way, that was a school record. Uh, 8.9 yards per touch this season. So, Cami. Is he your number one most important player going into 2021? Yeah, and not only for Texas, I think he's probably going to be one of the top uh, overall players in college football next season. So he should definitely be on uh, Heisman watch list, which I think he's probably already on the radar of some already. But uh, yeah, that was our biggest knock last season. And I'm sure Herman's kind of beating himself up about it uh, right now, especially how Bijan looked in the Alamo Bowl. But even then, he really wasn't given the ball enough um, in the first half. So yeah. I'm excited to see what Sark's going to do with him. I know, obviously, he's going to feed his top players, so he should have a monster season as a sophomore. Yeah, I believe they had nine drives, nine offensive drives in the first half of that Alamo Bowl. B. John Robinson was on the field for three of them. I can't make sense of that. Oh, and a few of those times, they went three and out. Uh, That is why Tom Herman is no longer here. He doesn't like to use his players. Despite the fact that the college football season is over. Football isn't quite over yet. With the Super Bowl coming up next week, we got the Kansas City Chiefs. You got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for your 50% welcome bonus. They're going to be talking about the NFL games, You got college basketball. College baseball is going to be heating up soon. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKED ON to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports books experts. In the day and age of trying to eat healthier, get healthier, sometimes it's more about not what you're doing to your body, but what you're putting into it. And one of the best things you can put into your body is going to be Belt Bar. We're talking of the candy bar that it tastes like a candy bar but it's a protein bar it's an energy bar it is even now more delicious with six new flavors caramel brownie cookies and cream how about you try that almond apple crisp that is fantastic anything peanut butter mint brownie fantastic peanut butter brownie bars are 100 covered in chocolate soft and easy to chew it's great for the health conscious person you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. And the best thing about it, they're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, which means that they're great for the keto diet. That peanut butter bar has got 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams sugar, 5 grams net 
carbs. What I want you to do is go to BuiltBar.com, use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get your 20% off your next order. Remember, use that promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, before I continue my conversation with Longhorns Wire editor Cammie Griffin, I want to remind you to check out the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Josh Neighbors is talking all things Big 12 Conference, whether it's talking about football season, that'll be coming in 2021. We got all the big basketball matchups with Big 12 being a top conference in all of college basketball for this sport. You definitely want to check it out, especially with baseball season, softball season come up. It's going to be loaded there as well. Check out the Locked On Big 12 podcast wherever you get your podcast. Cammy, let's talk about something else. We're going to talk about the tiers. ESPN has put out the, they put each team for 2021 into a 10-tier system. We're going to run through the Big 12 real quick, get your thoughts on this. At the Tier 10, it's called the Kansas Tier, so you know who's there. The Kansas Jayhawks, they're at the bottom. I think that's where they stay, and I think that's pretty much where only place you can put them is in that tier. Yeah, and it's hard not to laugh about it, but, I mean, what else are you supposed to do? They haven't um, won too many football games for the last several years, so I think that's a no-brainer. Here's an interesting one. There was no team in the Big 12 in Tier 9, but the Tier 8, which is a step above that, they have the Texas Tech Red Raiders. They were the only team that were in there. And my only objection is if you were going to put Texas Tech in Tier 8, Baylor should be in Tier 8 as well because they are only slightly below Texas Tech, in my opinion, as far as the Big 12 hierarchy of teams, especially given, uh, given what happened last year. I mean, it depends on how you're looking at it. If you're just looking at, at the more recent seasons, I can understand that. But what was it, three, maybe around three years ago, they were in the Big 12 title game, Baylor was. So I would definitely have them still ahead of Texas Tech. Maybe maybe just one tier ahead of them. Well, they actually came in, yes, just one tier ahead. The next two teams is Kansas State and Baylor. Uh, kind of the okay. team, teams that can potentially work their way up. I think, you know, both have young head coaches. Chris Kleiman's going into his third year. Uh, and then, mm-hmm. obviously, Dave Aranda's going into his second year. Dave Aranda's going to have a new quarterback next year with Charlie Brewer moving on to Utah. Uh, you know, so it's going to be interesting to kind of see how these two teams do. Baylor did not have a good season last year. Kansas State had a good season to start off. They beat Oklahoma. They were winning games early, and then they rattled off five losses in a row after they lost their quarterback uh, in Skyler, Skyler Thompson. So uh, you feel good with them in, in Tier 7. Yeah, but what kind of jumped out at me is I feel like if you're putting Kansas State in that tier, you should also put West Virginia in that tier. So I'm, I'm kind of unsure if they're looking at the potential of these programs or they're looking at more of the last season or two or they're looking even further back than that. But um, I just feel like West Virginia is kind of in the same tier as the Kansas State Um I, w- I almost want to say TCU, but I think I would probably put TCU uh, a tier ahead of them. Actually, they have West Virginia and TCU in the next tier. Actually, it's the tier above that. There were no Big 12 teams in Tier 6. Tier 5 is TCU and West Virginia. Two teams that are really good on defense, but they kind of have their moments on offense. They haven't quite figured it out. Who's going to be the quarterback? You know. Uh, there is going to be a quarterback battle uh, at TCU 
with Tan, uh, with uh, what was it, Chandler Morris transferring from Oklahoma to TCU. Uh, you know, they're going to have the issues there. But, yeah, they were in Tier 5, which was a little bit surprising to me to see TCU that high. Yeah, I see in that tier. But, I mean, we've seen uh, Gary Patterson, I guess. Uh, maybe that's the reason they're uh, listed that high. And they've obviously gotten the best of Texas over the last few seasons. So, um, I don't know. I guess that's the, – the middle of the pack for them is kind of where I feel like they should be. Speaking of the middle of the pack, uh, we're going to go up to Tier 3 because that's the next one. They have Oklahoma State at Tier 3, and they have Iowa State in Tier 3. These are the teams they say that they will spend some time talking about how they can get into the college football playoff, but these teams will never get there. Uh, I agree on Iowa State. Oklahoma State, I agree because of what they lost. I'm just a little bit surprised that they have them on the cusp considering uh, how many people have felt going into 2021. Iowa State was a team that they expected to contend with Oklahoma for the Big 12 championship again next year, but they're in Tier 3. I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, I kind of agree with the sense that uh, they're always kind of going to be competing for that Big 12 championship or the Big 12 title, but I don't necessarily see them getting over the hump to get into the college football playoff. I I, I just don't see it between either programs. And obviously um, Oklahoma State was undefeated the majority of the season before they played Texas. And so, I don't know. I just think it's going to be really tough for either one of those teams to kind of push back, push past Oklahoma and Texas, um, especially under Texas' new head coaching staff. So I, I kind of feel like this is a realistic spot for both of them. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because that was, that was my next point was that while, yes, Iowa State did beat Texas, two of the last three years in fact back-to-back years texas had a coaching deficiency and that has been fixed there's now steve sarkeesian who Mm -hmm. many believe is heads and tails above tom herman when it comes to being an offensive guru um and so we'll see you know we'll see how the head coaching aspect changes because as we know uh, there's more to being a head coach than just calling offense Uh, there's a lot more that goes into it but i still feel like Given the players that Texas has added, what they already had in play, I still think that they're a better team uh, than Iowa State. I mean, you could call it Homer all you want. That's just how I feel. Uh, And apparently ESPN agrees with us. They call that tier the teams we'll spend a lot of time making a case for who won't actually make the playoff. Tier number two is knocking on the door. The teams that are just on the outside looking in, Texas is the team that they have listed here along with a team like Texas A&M, Notre Dame. Uh, I think we feel pretty good about Texas at number two. I think when it comes to the Big 12 and getting into the college football playoff, Texas is that next team down, especially if Steve Sarkeesian and his new entire staff is able to do what we think they'll do. Yeah, I actually think that's a very realistic tier for them. And and until they can prove that they're consistently uh, within the discussion of a college football playoff when it's all said and done, then maybe you can bump them into tier one because I think they are a blue bud program. Uh, They just haven't been able to put it all together on the field recently with their results. So I do think this is very realistic. And like you mentioned, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, they're all in the same uh, discussion. So I think that I think that's fair. You know, and you, you look at the Texas team last year, they had three losses. But how many points did they lose those games by? Uh, combined 13 points so mm-hmm. a play here or there and you have an undefeated 9-0 and Texas football team 
Um, you know, if they decide to go for two instead of kicking the field goal to force overtime against Oklahoma. I mean, there's there's different ways that we could have went about it. Uh, but like I said, a play here, a play there, and they're in. All right, the number one team that they have listed, this is the championship-level teams. Uh, obviously, they have the Oklahoma Sooners up there with the Ohio State Buckeyes, Georgia Bulldogs, Alabama Crimson Tide, and the Clemson Tigers. I mean, it's hard not to put them up there because unlike some of these other teams that – you know, we constantly hear about, oh, they're going to challenge for the playoffs. Oklahoma's been in the playoffs, whether we like it or not. Maybe that all changes now that Chris Del Conte is on the, the CFP committee. Maybe he says, no, Oklahoma, you're not in. Uh, joking, but uh, that is where it sits. And I honestly, Cami, and we'll get your thoughts on it. Uh, what ESPN is, is saying, I don't necessarily disagree with really any of it. Yeah, I don't disagree with many of it. I think you could kind of uh, play around with the lower end tiers, but to what does that matter at the end of the day? So I think the first two tiers are uh, dead on, very realistic. And I think uh, those tier two teams um, can be very good and probably will be going forward, but they ha- they need to consistently be in the discussion of the college football playoff in order to make the hump to or jump to tier one. So yeah, it's hard to disagree with any of these. Yeah, I think I think it's a, it was a good one, but I want to thank Cami for joining us on a football Friday right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. We're doing a special Saturday episode. Mike Hards is going to join the show. We're going to talk Big Twelve baseball, Texas baseball, what to look for, as well as get his thoughts on the new staff that's being assembled since it's been a while since he's been on the show. But for Cami, I'm Patrick, and as always, keep it locked on. Hook 'em.